Welcome to the Lexington Public Library's Tales from the Kentucky Room podcast, where we discuss everything Lexington and Fayette County history. I'm Miriam, and in each episode of this podcast, we will feature a guest that will share a piece of local history. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Henry Faulkner was a queer Kentucky artist whose paintings were collected by mid-20th century notables such as Tennessee Williams, Betty Davis, Marlon Brando, and Vincent Price. His colorful and fantastical style won him the name the American Chagall. He was also known for bringing a menagerie of animals everywhere he traveled, from Lexington to Palm Beach to Key West. He was known for bringing goats to art openings and to beach parties. His success allowed him to live as an openly gay man even as those interested in his work attempted to whitewash his sexuality. Join the Lexington Public Library as we celebrate Henry Faulkner, both his life and his work, February 25th through March the 3rd, 2019. Dear listeners, this podcast contains some instances of adult language and descriptions of adult situations that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener's discretion is advised. Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us again for the podcast. Today, we have Robert Morgan back again to talk about Sweet Evening Breeze. Robert Morgan is a Lexington-based, nationally known artist whose found object sculptures explore the intersections of sexuality, spirituality, humanity, and myth. He is the co-founder of the Faulkner Morgan Archive and an activist for LGBTQ equality. Thank you for joining us again, Robert. It's Um, great to be here. Yeah. So last time we were talking about Henry Faulkner, of course, we're having our run of Henry Faulkner Week at the library. And of course, we can't talk about Henry Faulkner without talking about Sweet Evening Breeze. Well, a lot of people wouldn't say that's true, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they were, you know, many, many, they were generations apart in age, you know, although they were both gay icons Mm -hmm. in Lexington, they were uh, from from very different worlds. Yeah. Well, can you talk to us a little bit about Sweet Evening Breeze, where she was from? Did she move here to Lexington from another city? Well, let me say first, Mm -hmm. when I first saw Sweet Evening Breeze, and knew nothing about Sweet Evening Breeze, Mm -hmm. but Sweet Evening Breeze would walk through downtown and was a notoriously famous personality on the Mm -hmm. streets of Lexington. And our family were downtown people and okay. you know actually in those days most people were you know yeah. or people had been downtown people and moved to the suburbs but if we were driving downtown we had a big old car that like uh first kids to look out the window we had to stand up in the seat uh-huh. to reach the window you know and so we'd be all in the back seat and my dad would yell here comes sweet evening breeze <laughs> And we would all jump up and run to whichever side of the car Sweets was going to be on. And we would hang out the window and wave and yell and uh, at Sweet Evening Breeze, and he would wave at us. Oh. And uh, so that's how I first saw Sweet Evening Breeze. I had no idea who Sweet Evening Breeze was. Nobody ever told me anything about Sweet Evening Breeze. Mm-hmm. We just knew he was somebody that was always would wave at us, and we would always yell and wave at him. You know? yeah. If my dad would tell us, he would see him coming. Yeah. You know? So that is so odd as a little boy to... Mm-hmm have seen him and then eventually as a young teenager and a young adult to actually become friends and comrades and uh, be involved in Sweets' life at times, yeah. you know. 
there were the stories about sweets, which we think sweets might have even made up mm-hmm. his own stories. Contributed to the, the stories. He, he didn't do things to dispel myths or untruths about his life. He, he actually embellished them or sort of didn't uh, take issue with them at all, you know. Maybe but the story everybody <laughs> thought was true yeah. was that Sweets had been left at Good Samaritan Hospital as a little, I mean, the way I heard it, as a baby, you okay. know, practically, you know. And that his father had brought him there for some reason and never came back and got him. And and then, of course, the rumors were that they brought him there because he was a hermaphrodite, mm. that they didn't understand what he what it was about him or something, you know. Yeah. There were always stories about Sweets being a hermaphrodite. Okay. And uh, nobody knew what that was at the time. Yeah. You know, but people would say it like, oh, you know, or like, I don't know what, you know. It was very ambiguous term mm-hmm. to use, you know. But, and that Sweets was raised there in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And and even we were told stories that Sweets was a little bitty boy and would play ukulele and go around from room to room. Yeah, that's, you know, entertaining. The, yeah, that's the stories that you hear about. Yeah. That. Come to find out, Sweets is on the census records, 12 and 13, 14 years old, living in Scott County with his parents. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we know that wasn't true. Yeah. You know, and uh, the first records we really know about Sweets was, you know, he was a teenager living with his aunt and uncle in Lexington, you know. Wow. So, uh, so, and we, we do know that he worked at Good Samaritan Hospital and mm-hmm. was famous for working there. No one seems to know exactly when he started work there. Mm-hmm. Although we do have some record of when he uh, retired and was given an award for so many years. And I guess we could do the math backwards and figure out how old he was yeah. when he started, if if that were in fact true, you know. Yeah. But, he was there for a considerable amount of time. Well, you yeah. know, I mean, most people... Yeah. Work their lives mm-hmm. at a job, at place. It, you know, and then they retired. You know, so mm-hmm. so it wouldn't have been uncommon. Yeah. But many people's uh, first experiences with sweets would either be seeing him on the street or the fact that you know he had something to do with their care at the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, there were endless stories about how people were just uh, overcome with his compassion and care at the hospital. Mm-hmm. There's also stories about people who didn't want him in their room and were embarrassed. You know, uh, uh, he would show up and give cakes to people on their birthday that yeah. he had taken care of in the hospital at their place of business, and they would be embarrassed to have sweets come in. Have say, well, how do you know him, and why is he here? You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, sweets was in many ways a mascot of Lexington. Yeah, not unlike Smiley Pete, the yeah. dog, in a way. You know, so uh, he he played lots of different roles in the community. Mm-hmm. You know. Within the black community, of which I was not privy to as a youngster, there was a, a division about their feelings about sweets. Mm-hmm. Many of the church people, you know, uh, denounced him, but yet the church he went to, he was held in great esteem. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, then the young, more radical thinking mm-hmm. members of the black community felt he was an insult to the black community, mm-hmm. you know, because of his sexual ambiguity mm-hmm. and his notoriety. And and then there was, which I didn't know until I, I talked to uh, members of the black community who'd grown up around sweets, there was a feeling that he made himself white um, and patterned himself down to, to lighten, like, his, lighten skin his skin and okay. was mm-hmm. more like, a, you know, a lap dog of the bourgeoisie, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know. So there were all these different roles, but Sweets seemed to 
either be, I mean, Swiss was very smart and very cunning and mm -hmm. probably not oblivious to all this. I'm sure not. Yeah. But, uh, but seemed to be focused on exactly what he was doing mm -hmm. and let that go. You yeah. know, I, I never heard Sweets uh, take issue. Is Sweets was an old man and the whole scene in the gay bars was changing and young people were feeling liberated and uh, more outspoken and stuff. Mm -hmm. Sweets used to go on tirades about these these young, and he used the N-word, and yeah. he, he'd say, they're just awful the way they behave. <laughs> I, I can't believe what they're... Uh, he, it was so funny that Sweets, as an old person, mm -hmm. became sort of like the mentality of the bourgeoisie. He felt yeah. like he was a refined woman mm -hmm. who had uh, lived a dignified life. Yeah. And yet, when you dig back not very far, mm -hmm. Sweets was an absolute floozy. Yeah. <laughs> so, she was but a lot of old people do that. Yes, you know, yes They of rewrite their history, of course, especially yeah. if they've had a notorious reputation. They suddenly you know, start praying in church and, and denounce sinners, <laughs> you know. So it was very odd. A lot yeah. of times, you never knew where you were at with Sweets, you know. And uh, see, I... I never saw photographs of Sweets Young mm -hmm. until after Sweets was dead. Photographs started coming to you? Or? Just a few, but the first thing I... Because Sweets, although he was sort of a wild, flashy dresser, mm -hmm. you wouldn't have thought of him as a floozy at yeah. all, you know. But when you saw pictures of him in flapper regalia, mm -hmm. you know, uh, lying on fainting couches and stuff, <laughs> you realized, oh, my God. You know, I saw him as he was more matronly, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and he never, when he walked the streets, never walked the streets dressed in any suggestive or disgraceful manner at all. Mm -hmm. You know, his outfits might have been borderline bizarre yeah. occasionally, you know, but they were never, never would be considered risque. Yeah. Describe to us one of the outfits you've seen him wear. Well, he he got hooked on the Nehru jacket look at one mm -hmm. time, you know. Yeah. And he would make all of his own things, though, you know. So he would wear, like, a, a Nehru kind of jacket in flaming red, mm -hmm. trimmed in gold and black brocade. Wow. And uh, that would come just below the waist, and mm -hmm. then he would always wear slacks. Mm -hmm. He would never never wore stockings or heels when he of course it was walking from you know 40 blocks his his evening strolls so you know, he, he he dressed with a great degree of comfort you know yeah. and sweets always carried uh, had you know matching umbrellas and parasols mm -hmm. and would keep the the sun off of himself or the rain and you know, whatever the weather he generally had a parasol yeah. or an umbrella so he was sort of striking you know and he did appeared to be a woman mm -hmm. while walking down the street, you know, and wore makeup and, mm -hmm. uh, and wigs, but in no way tried to cause a scene mm -hmm. like in the way of a, a streetwalker. Yeah. You know. Is it true that he was arrested for, for cross-dressing once, or...? I, I think Sweets was probably arrested quite a few times, for, and for sometimes doing... maybe even associated with uh, having fights with prostitutes or mm -hmm. maybe even doing some of that himself, too, yeah. you, know, you know. You have to read between the lines on a lot of it, you know. Yeah. Well, some of the research you read is, you know, she kind of ha had the judge throw out the case because she defended herself and another drag queen. Right. There were because it was unconstitutional. For them to even arrest her, that's I'm the not law sure Sweets would have ever used the word unconstitutional. 
<laughs> she would have just said, it's not the, nobody's business but mine, what I dress like. You know, she would have never thought of herself as, as defending the Constitution, yeah. I think. There's a great story about one time when Sweets was arrested and brought to uh, uh, court, and they were, the judge turned. There was no charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the... <laughs> yeah, and, and the judge asked the policeman what the charge was, and he said, I don't know. <laughs> and the judge, like, sort of, you know, looked at the officer and looked at Sweets and looked at Sweets up and down and mm-hmm. turned to the court clerk and said, book him as a god proverb. <laughs> And uh, so they arrested Sweets for being a proverb. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's a first, I think, and only. It might have been <laughs> the only person ever arrested for being a proverb in Lexington. It was Sweet and Breeze. Oh, my word. That story was in A.B. Guthrie's book, The Blue Hen's Chick. Mm-hmm. He devoted a chapter. Y'all have got that book, I think. I, possibly. The Blue Hen's Chick. A.B. Guthrie was the editor, uh, the Herald leader for, uh, or the Herald or the leader one mm-hmm. for many, many years. Yeah. And he wrote a book about his years in Kentucky after he left Kentucky. And he, one entire chapter is about Sweet Evening Breeze. Yeah. It was one of the first times Sweets was ever documented in print, besides mm-hmm. just scant articles in the newspaper here and there. But uh, he starts off that chapter with saying there's lots of famous people from Kentucky. You know, mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln was born here and Happy Chandler was a f- the famous, you know, uh, singing governor of yeah. Kentucky. And, and he said, but if you want to know who the real most famous person in Kentucky is, it's not him. It's not him. He says, not this person. It's not that person. It was a unassuming orderly at a Good Samaritan Hospital named James Herndon. Mm-hmm. And he proceeds to tell stories about sweets. Mm-hmm in that book, The Blue Hen's Chick. It's interesting being the first time Sweets was ever documented as a folk hero, so to speak. Yeah. Well, people from other communities mm-hmm. tell me that they would hear about Sweets and come to Lexington to drive around to see if they could see him. So his fame, you know, mm-hmm. went beyond Lexington. Yeah. Of course, you have to understand, a lot of this time in Lexington, Lexington was the pool hub of the South. That's there true. were 180 pool halls and bars in downtown Lexington, mm-hmm. you know. And Lexington was very rough and tumble. All the railroad tracks went right through town. People would run out of bars, jump on the backs of moving trains to leave town. Wow. You know, and there was always a an uneasy truce and a continuous pushing struggle between the good people of Lexington and the underbelly of Lexington. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of power in the underbelly of Lexington, you know, yeah. that was uh, uh, liquor and gambling and horses money. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you know the story of Belle Breezing, you know how yep. powerful she was. Mm-hmm. Most of her power was based in the horse industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, But strolling around downtown Lexington for sweets, the fear might be from... You know, the the bars and clubs of Lexington, not the good folks of Lexington, you yeah. know. One time in the late 60s, possibly early 70s, mm-hmm. Sweets got beat up real bad on one of his walks and was hospitalized. Mm-hmm. And off-duty Lexington policemen went into Indiana, found the man who did it, beat them to, up really bad, brought them back across the state line, out of uniform, into Lexington, dumped them on the side of the road where they were found by other Lexington policemen or arrested and prosecuted mm-hmm. for assaulting Sweet Eating Breeze. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's like, you know, some major 
protection and reverence I'm showing sure, yeah, there they have, you know, from, they have from the community. A, a soft, a sweet spot, I guess uh, you could say, for for her. And you know, Sweets did private duty nursing. Yeah. To rich white people. Yeah. She had lots of clients. You, if you were driving in the East End of Lexington and you saw Sweets sitting on somebody's porch in the evening reading the newspaper, you knew, oh, somebody's sick there. Sweets is taking care of them, you know. Mm. And uh, she would make a lot of money doing that. And families loved her for her care and compassion mm. and would do favors for Sweets, too, yeah. you know. She, she garnered power from different sources. She also, from what we understand, kept a record of it everything and everybody mm. and use that uh, uh, for her power base too. I'm sure. You know, uh, uh, her house was notorious for setting up sexual rendezvous mm -hmm. and had probably orgies and sex parties, mm -hmm. you know, that, uh, but individual people could approach suites, not for something gay necessarily, mm -hmm. you know, just for a, a safe place to go and, meet up with somebody to uh, have sex, and Sweets kept track of all that. Wow. Records of all that. She kept books, mm. apparently. Of course, like Belle's famous books that Belle kept, Sweets has, have disappeared also. Mm. So how do we know that she kept all those records? We just, people? The only thing we know is that several people close to Sweets told us she did. Oh, okay. And they said that was her power base. Was mm. her books? She had blackmailed everybody in Lexington. Wow, that's a powerful tool. <laughs> that's a very powerful. Well, tool. you know, I mean, uh, uh, same thing. Bell Breezing did. Yeah. You know, uh, in a way, I mean, mm. Bell kept records, but yeah. you know, Bell had money and real power. Mm -hmm. Sweets had very little money, but apparently, uh, the money was not the important part mm -hmm. of that. That's the information. Yeah. <laughs> But Henry Faulkner, mm -hmm. when he was a young boy, first arriving in Lexington, yeah. lived in Sweets' basement. Wow. And okay. uh, she took him in. And don't know exactly how long he lived there. Mm -hmm. At least a year, maybe longer. And maybe came, came and went for a, a, a long time after that, you know. Mm -hmm. I never knew this. When I was growing up in Henry's house... Henry, of course, took me in. Yeah. So Sweets is like my grandmother, you mm -hmm. know. Henry used to tell me, he said, Honey, she's the mother of us all. <laughs> That's what he would say. He would just roar with laughter. She's the mother of us all. Yeah. <laughs> and But Henry never really, he, he told me, he, yeah, I knew he was close with Sweets. He never explained to me. The relationship or? No, yeah. not entirely, no. Mm. I mean, Sweets saw me with Henry and knew me and mm. accepted me as part of her world, yeah. you know, even though I was a kid, you know, and she never questioned me. And for many, many years, Lexington was a small town. We saw each other a lot, mm -hmm. you know. So I knew that her and Henry had respect and love for each other. Mm -hmm. And it transferred to me, yeah. to my relationship with Henry. But I never understood exactly that she had taken him in as a wife, mm -hmm. you know. And then I found out at one time that Henry had done some paintings for Sweets, mm -hmm. and she didn't care for them at all. She told him he could hang them in the basement, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Keep them hidden. Yeah, yeah. She, said, she said they weren't that good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Her tastes in Henry's were probably way different than each other's, you know. The, the story about Sweets being a hermaphrodite mm -hmm. even went so far as to say that she had willed her body to the University of Kentucky yeah. for medical well, science. How you true know. is that story? No, not true at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. the only thing I would like to know is that, that I could probably find out 
is when the grave at the Lexington Cemetery was bought, was it bought by Sweets or bought by someone after Sweets died? Mm. Sweets was over 100 when she died. We're not exactly sure how old she was. Mm -hmm. But she had been in a nursing home for a while. But all of her stuff was still in her house. Mm -hmm. And people had sort of forgotten about Sweets. Generation had come and gone, and Sweets was not walking out on the streets anymore. She I was confined to this nursing home? Yeah. yeah. So when she died and it ended up in the paper, people were like, oh, my God, Sweets died. You know, yeah. people had almost forgotten about her, you mm -hmm. know. She had just faded away from the memory of people right you know, around her, you know, mm -hmm. and they they had a tag sale of all of her stuff at her house. Not all of it, though, because we went <laughs> coldest morning on earth. They were going to open the door at 8 a.m. We mm -hmm. got down the front door at 6 a.m., <laughs> two hours waiting. Be first in line to get in. The way a tag sale works is everything's got a tag on it. Mm -hmm. It's two-part tag. If you want the couch, you tear off the bottom part. You've got it. You don't have to carry the couch to the front. and You know, you just take your tags up there and yeah. they tally up, and then they get all this stuff. So so we ran in, to, and Sweets had collected all this amazing silver. She was mm -hmm. like, she liked to sit in her dining room surrounded by her sterling silver collection mm -hmm. and have tea and, you know, host little parties and stuff, you know, and look like a sophisticated woman, you yeah. know. All of that was gone. Wow. So we figured she left everything to the church, of course. And so the church, we figured, had gotten all the silver out and already sold all of it. Yeah. It wasn't going to be part of the tag sale, you know. But oddly enough, a friend of ours found the little tarnished silver bowl engraved that was given to her when she retired from the hospital. Oh, the little award that she got from Good Samaritan. For $5. Wow. Which was a little more at the time, but it still wasn't much. <laughs> And it was so tarnished, you couldn't even see the uh, engraving. engraving on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they gave it to us for the archive. Okay. Yeah. It's labeled in your archive if people yes. want to look at it. Yes. Good. So Sweets was also known for holding the womanless weddings. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, that's a fascinating part of gay culture. Apparently, mm -hmm. it wasn't just happening in Lexington. Mm -hmm. Although Lexington is always up with the times, <laughs> you know, but Sweets would, James Herndon Productions mm -hmm. would put on these womanless weddings mm -hmm. as fundraisers for black churches. Oh, wow. And they would ho have it in the church. In the church. In the church, okay. yes. You would buy a ticket, come in and sit, then the wedding would start, mm -hmm. the choir was, you know, uh, part of the program mm -hmm. and the singing and then all the bridesmen and the groomsmen and the, the bride and the groom, all men. Mm -hmm. And it would be a like a theatrical performance of like amazing. This is all men. All the female roles are being played by men and yeah. all the male roles are being played by men. Mm -hmm. And it would be like, a, you know, maybe an hour and a half long show, you know. Wow. And you could see one of these womenless weddings, and they were fundraisers for black churches. Wow. And I didn't uh, realize that they were actually fundraisers. I thought people just went to be entertained. <laughs> no, I think that would be more of the uh, Negro Reviews, <laughs> <laughs> which the town used to have Negro Reviews, mm -hmm. apparently different locations, mm -hmm. but uh, the only ones that ever... Oh, in the A.B. Guthrie book, he talks about one of the Negro Reviews mm -hmm. that apparently he saw 
or someone close to him had seen. Sweet Evening Breeze was lowered from the ceiling of the Woodland Auditorium in a big basket, and she jumped out of the basket, Mm -hmm. dancing the passion dance of the bongo bangos. (laughs) So that was like something that I've read about. I thought, okay, that does sound like a floozy. (laughs) That's not a a, a matronly old woman, you know. But Sweets was walking the streets in her 90s. Wow. You know, probably, or at least to about 90. Mm -hmm. So she was well-known up until she was confined into the assisted living facility? I think that the city insisted that she could not walk the streets anymore after that beating. Yeah. And that she had to, if she wanted to go somewhere, she would call the police and they would come get her and take her wherever she wanted to go. (laughs) They'd come back and pick her up later. So, oh, we got distracted from the uh, wedding thing. Yeah. Of course, the wedding thing... Those might have been fundraisers for the church, but Sweets had weddings in her backyard, too. Yeah. In, uh, in Prowltown. Mm-hmm. And she had a large wooden fence around the yard and would put on weddings there where she would marry the quarterback of the University of Kentucky football team. And she'd be the bride mm-hmm. and the quarterback would be the groom. And these were much sought-after invitations. Mm -hmm. And we talked to an old man who went to one of them. One of the weddings? Yes. And he said, the police blocked Prowl Street down towards the university. And if you didn't have an invitation, you couldn't even go up the street. Oh, wow. You had to (laughs) show your invitation (laughs) and prove you were invited before Mm -hmm. they would even let you go up Prowl Street to the wedding. And one year... According to him. So no curious gawkers invited. No, only no. invitation only. Yeah. That's what Sweet said. Uh, neighbors were spying on her backyard. <laughs> Whoa, what? And, you know, I mean, she should have invited them, you know. But I don't know the nature of her neighbors, but maybe yeah. they were offended by the whole thing. Who knows? Sure. But the guy who had gone to this wedding who told us that you couldn't go up the street without an invitation said the year he went, mm-hmm. Bear Bryant gave away the bride. Wow. When he was coach here at UK. Wow. Now, I had known that Collier, mm-hmm. Coach Collier, had issues with Sweets and the U.K. football team. Mm-hmm. It was never on my radar that—I mean, I, I should have assumed that any coach around that time period mm-hmm. would have had some inkling of hanky-panky going on. Mm-hmm. But, but he said Bear Bryant gave away the bride that year. So he participated. And, uh, I mean, I, he might have walked her down the aisle. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Sweet said that the U.K. football team dug out her basement to build that rec room for her. Well, her house had burned down, mm-hmm. and they were rebuilding the house. And for all we know, they might have come over and dug it out before they rebuilt the house. Yeah. That may be true. You know, they, they might have helped dig out the basement for uh, Sweet's, Sweet's rec room, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Uh, but the rec room was supposedly the scene of, you know, uh, wild parties. Yeah. And the University of Kentucky football team during those years was a scandal-ridden team. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons Coach Collier supposedly left UK was he was very offended by all the homosexual activity on the football team mm-hmm. and their involvement with rich gay men who were buying them cars and all these questionable parties that everybody was going to. Mm -hmm. And his daughter, the book she wrote about his career, Kay Collier, Mm -hmm. said that the University of Kentucky let him go because he said they had to step in and do something about all the homosexual activity with the football team. And she says he was fired for confronting the university over it. So 
why on earth in his big long career of all kinds she would even bring that up yeah unless her dad had told her about it mm-hmm. and was still bothered by it I'm you know bitter about it yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's that's an interesting story there's a whole <laughs> lot of that that will never ever be told you know i'm sure there's yeah. a, a book written about it mm-hmm. i talked to the guy who was writing the book and found him to be a total homophobe mm-hmm. and i refused to help him with the book mm-hmm. and sure enough when the book came out it was he was a total homophobe his whole take on the whole thing was is that these rich devious homosexuals had blackmailed all the university of kentucky football players mm-hmm. somehow and was forcing them into sex parties and stuff that it wasn't like they were being blackmailed and consensual or and then the only people that he ever interviewed from those days writing the book were people who said well i never was at any of that but i heard Mm. well i never saw but i heard you know all that kind of he doesn't want me to tell what i knew you know but he'll let them say they never were there but they heard you know Mm -hmm. so so uh so anyway one time sweets's house was quite the active spot for parties, lots of local politicians and people, the police and the University of Kentucky football players and an assortment of drag queens and riffraff from the gay scene of Lexington. I'm sure she would have had lots of interesting stories to tell. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, the same person that told us about her hidden black book mm-hmm. told us about, I was friends with her for many, many years, too, mm-hmm. Lee Angelique. She was one of the drag queens who'd been arrested, and not with Sweets, mm-hmm. but had been arrested in a raid on the gay bar downtown. Mm-hmm. And when they got out of jail, they went right to Sweets' house, <laughs> woke Sweets up, yeah. told her what all happened. And they said she picked up the phone, called the judge in the middle of the night, <laughs> and just let, let him, him have, have it. it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, by the time they got back to court, whenever they went back to court, all the charges were dropped. Wow. Yeah. Apparently, like, running to sweets, she was the mother of us all. (laughs) (laughs) Took her role very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, people talk, white people who don't know anything about the really Mm -hmm. shady side of sweets, they always talk about her cakes. She made the most wonderful cake. She was the best baker. (laughs) She would make these, she brought my husband a birthday cake. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, she was a great baker, you know. And she did do that. You Mm -hmm. know, I know because uh, I opened a small art gallery Mm -hmm. downtown right near all the pool halls and everything when I was a kid. And and Sweets came to the opening and she brought a cake. (laughs) And she brought it on... Uh, on this beautiful cut glass cake stand that had wow. the lid that went over it, you know, and it was one of her famous coconut cakes covered with maraschino cherries. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we ate half the cake. Then we set it in the front window where we had two mannequins standing on either side of it, you know, all dressed mm-hmm. up in ostrich feathers. Well, the gallery ended up closing, mm-hmm. and Sweets had never gotten back her cake stand. And uh, we hadn't paid the next month's rent, we just went out and left stuff there. And Sweets would stroll by there every day, and she would see her cake stand in there. <laughs> and every time I would see her out in public, she'd say, where's my cake stand? I want my cake stand. That's in there. And I was like, oh, God. I'd run and hide from her. You know, I was like, oh, she's going to get me on that cake stand, you know. And I couldn't go back in. And so she finally went to the landlord, mm-hmm. whom she knew, and she said, open up that building. I want my cake stand. And he went and opened up the building, got her a cake stand. Next time I saw her, she said, you don't have to hide from me anymore. I got my cake stand back. <laughs> it's like, okay. So, but then by the time we get around to like the 
seven, mid-70s and on into the 80s. Sweets never baked any more cakes. Honey. Yeah. No, no. People who say she brought me, no, they're just saying that. You know, <laughs> she never, the last thing I know that she baked and brought to someone was a big pan of biscuits. Now, it's a big step down from a maraschino cake, coconut Coconuts. cake, to a big pan yeah. of biscuits, but it's still nice, you know, yeah. so. That's a good gesture. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't nearly require the effort that, you yeah. know. Delivering a cake does, you know. So yeah, rich white people when they talk about sweets, they always have a story about she was she made the most wonderful cakes. <laughs> like, okay. you know, great, the, but let's tell the sweets whole story. was like this transgender, like folk personality of yeah. Lexington who walked the streets and blackmailed everybody in town and set up all kinds of sexual escapades with the entire university football team. And you remember Talking her for her cakes, cakes. okay? <laughs> you know, but you know they. You know, it's it's funny. There's a guy in Louisville writing a musical about sweets right now. Oh, really? He's he's actually finished it, and I don't know. You know, I I, I have to have some. Except, there's so much cool stuff you could do about sweets. You mm-hmm. know that people keep looking for a sentimental and hokey angle mm-hmm. to the sweet story. You know, I mean, there is another person who wrote a screenplay about sweets, but it's shared equally with Smiley Pete and Sweets. And at the end, they actually, Smiley Pete and Sweets are dancing down Main Street with all the school children with them, you know. Oh, how Sounds like a Walt Disney movie, I know, you know. Doesn't it's it? like, oh my God, you know. But, you know, Sweets would have loved it. I'm sure she Especially would. in her old age. <laughs> she, would have, she would have loved nothing better than to have a Mickey, Rennie, Judy Garland or a Walt Disney song yeah. and dance epic about. About her life. And, you got yeah, it, you know. Yeah. Uh, she would have loved it. Fine. But she inspired so much uh, myth and, and stories and. People created. She went through a lot of suffering and a lot of loneliness, a lot of pain, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's so. When you think about it, Sweets' parents were born in slavery. That's true. Everybody thinks everything was so long ago. Mm-hmm. Sweets' parents just just in childhood at the end of the Civil War, yeah. and Sweets lived to be over a hundred. So you know, it's yeah. you know a vast amount of years there to cover, but it's. It's, uh, you know, when you think that she came from poverty and her parents had been born in slavery and she defined a certain kind of celebrity that there was no role model for. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing some of the stories that you know about Sweets and bringing some clarity to her as a local celebrity. You know, I don't want everything to be straightened out in Sweets' life. <laughs> I was, I've, I'm disappointed that some of the myths have been exploded, yeah. but the life is still just as fascinating, if not even more fascinating. Mm-hmm. The real story. The real, the truth story. Yeah, we'll never, ever know. We'll never find that little book, probably. That would tell us the real story. Yeah. Maybe somebody out there still has it. It's possible. We think think Belle Breezing's book's still out there, too. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting if it was found? Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your stories with us. Sure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Kentucky Room, a podcast brought to you by the Central Library's Kentucky Room staff at the Lexington Public Library. If you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions about local history or genealogy research, you can visit us in the Kentucky Room to use our collection and newspaper microfilm. Or you can email us at elibrarian at lexpublib.org. That's elibrarian at lexpublib.org. I'm Miriam, and we'll be back with another trip down Lexington's memory lane.